Cats. We're here with the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and on the other side of the screen is my good friend, Josh Fowler. Josh, what's going on? Oh, man, not a whole lot. Just, uh, I guess this is the first real active hurricane season we've had since being in <sighs> Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We got another uh, Category 3 hurricane barreling down the pipe of the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, yeah, you do. It's uh, It's been... Little, little stressful, uh, stressful few months over here, but uh, I think we're going to be okay with this one as well. Just praying yeah. for folks over Lake Charles who are getting ready to take another hit. It's and, uh, it's bad, it's bad, and I'm tired of I'm tired of these disasters. You know, you got the you got flooding in. Was it Iowa? You got uh, you know, wildfires over to our west. You got hurricanes in the Gulf. You got, I don't know what's going on up in the New England areas, but I'm sure something. You got the coronavirus. I guess that would be in the New England area, right? Kind of. New York's kind yeah. of New England. Not quite, but close enough. You know, I mean, it's just it's just stuff everywhere. And uh, I'm tired. That's yeah, crazy. And uh, But I'm ready for, you know, I'm, I'm just ready for things to get back to some sort of normalcy, whatever that's going to look like. And I know people say, "Oh, I don't like talking about it that way," but let's be honest: wearing a mask—it's—I hope we don't wear a mask from here on out for the rest of our lives. I mean, that would be normal to me to take off the mask and not have to wear it anymore. But I know while you're here, we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful you're tuning in with us uh, while we're talking about uh, spiritual disciplines. And this is, I think, our last episode to talk about spiritual disciplines, if. I'm correct. Josh could pr- might correct me if I'm wrong, but while you're here, why don't you, if you're in the audience, let us know some specific reasons we worship God. You know, some maybe some specific ways that you prepare to worship God, and uh, let us know. And because today we're talking about worship and how we can prepare our minds for worship, not just corporately, but also personally. And, you know, I, I can't help but think of just Jesus saying, you know, you know, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And that's kind of going to guide our thoughts, I think, throughout uh, the rest of today's lesson. That's good to know. That's not something we really talked about before, but I like that um, oh. guiding <laughs> principle there. Um, hey, let, let me just put it this way. It may have been something that's here in in the notes that I just missed over, but uh, and yes, I think you're right. This is our, at least the last one we had planned as far as spiritual disciplines go. I think it's a pretty good way to kind of wrap up because this uh, yeah, discipline of worship is one of those disciplines that probably, if you look at the way they're categorized, is probably more frequently considered a corporate worship. Um, but there is a very personal discipline of, of individual worship as well, as far as, you know, the, the life of a Christian goes and how we live lives of worship. So I like the way this kind of blends in those, those two different aspects of the spiritual disciplines. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I guess the, the question is, well, is it real? I mean, we talk about it's worth our time and it's important for us to talk about it. But why is worship so important? And, and I guess that's my question for, for you, Josh, my question for myself and for those who are watching. It, is worship really that important? 
I mean, it's just something we do one day a week, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, they say there's no such thing as a bad question. And there's really no right or wrong answer, right? Um, no, uh, not right. Uh, there, there is a right and wrong answer to this. Yes, worship. Um, you know, we see this going all the way back to um, the the very beginnings of God's people. Um, and, you know, worship is such a crucial aspect of who we are. Um, I'm going to let you take this for a moment because I got to go handle something real quick. I'll be okay. right back. So you That's roll not... with worship. I like it. I can do that. And uh, so live, so live, live chaos, right? Oh, hey, uh, don't worry. I've, I've, I've been worried that I'll have to do that. So uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. But hey, worship really is important. And, you know, the question that, that I want us to kind of be thinking about is why are we spending a whole episode on just worship? Well, we're told the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You know, in Mark 12. And worship is what God has asked from us. You know, it's something that he's not just said, oh, yeah, just live your life how you want to, you know, just do things your way. No, he, he demands our worship. He demands our praise. He demands our respect. You know, worship is, is kind of why we're here is to first worship him and to second to serve him and his people. You know, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. And we can express our love by worship. Because worship isn't just singing songs or, you know, listening to a sermon. You know, worship is coming in reverence into the presence of God and expressing our awe, expressing our, ad, you know, ad admiration, expressing our thankfulness. And we can do that besides just Sunday. You know, it's really something we should be doing every single day. But that's why it's so important, because it really is worship is how we can express our love for God. And as we just said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and all your <laughs> all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There we go. Yeah. I'll get there eventually. But yeah, so that that's kind of what we've, you know, so for Josh just joining us back, that that's what we've been talking about is pairing the greatest commandment with that's how we worship. And that's why we've been created is to worship and serve his people. You know, and, and I think about the things that we worship, um, you know, not to, not to use that term lightly, yeah. but when you walk into someone's house, um, you know what matters to them, Right. Um, I had a, a friend of mine that had a house in Kansas City and his man cave. When you walk down there, you knew there were two things that mattered to him, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas Jayhawks, because half of his basement was adorned in the, the crimson <laughs> gold and the other half was in the royal blue and red, had all the paraphernalia. You could talk about all the people that have come through. You see these little shrines. Um and, you know, I tease him, you know, about, you know, forms of idolatry and things. Uh, but we do, in some sense, worship those things. They become such a key aspect of our lives. And we schedule our life around um, games, activities, big events that transpire. No one who's a Kansas Jayhawk fan is going to ever schedule anything during March Madness because 
the tournament always comes through Kansas City. The Jayhawks are always playing in Kansas City. And they always plan to go beyond. And so they, around March, they, they change their schedules accordingly. Now, they haven't had much to root for um, with the Chiefs lately until good old Patrick Mahomes showed up. And now Chiefs Kingdom is alive again. Um, but now you're starting to see those things come back. And it yeah. happens with my wife. I don't necessarily worship my wife, uh, but you recognize that she plays a huge role in my life because I don't schedule anything without first saying, hey, babe, what do we got going on? Because, because I'm honoring who you are in my life by showing deference to that. Worship is part of that role that we play with God as well. So, It is, and it's, it's kind of where we put priority in. You know, because if I, you know, worshiping isn't just showing up. You know, uh, I can show up somewhere and not participate and not actually be present in the moment. And I really haven't done what I've, what I'm claiming to do. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, hey, honey, um, talking to my wife, right? I don't call her honey. I don't know why I said that. Maybe I should. I just said, hey, you know, or hey, cat, or something like that. But it's, you know, hey, uh, let's go on, on a date and I'll take you to your favorite restaurant. And we can just stay engaged with one another. And we get there, and I do this. Or, hold up. I'm going to talk to my friend real quick. And she's there going, well, well so much for, for a day for me. And I'm not, I'm not on a date anymore. Now it's just we're eating in the same table. And uh, now. Second, our, <laughs> no, my second continue. date with my wife was on a Monday night in the fall. And the Dallas Cowboys were on Monday Night Football. And so we went to Chili's because I knew Chili's, not because I knew, but, you know, she said, hey, let's go to Chili's. Like, yeah, that's fine. And so we went and sat down, and I made sure that we sat down where I could see the TV that was on at the bar because <laughs> I had already made the sacrifice to go on a date during the Cowboys game. Uh, but here I had the best of both worlds. Um, Absolutely. I mean. It didn't work out so well, but. No, there's been times when uh, one time Catherine called me out on it. We were eating at a restaurant, and I said, oh, I want to sit on, let's sit on this side. And she went, okay, and she didn't notice why. And then later, when I was, my head was up, and I'm going. <laughs> and she, she goes, so that's why you wanted to sit on this side. And I was like, what are you talking about? This, this is just a better side for us. I don't want to, you know, my back's not to the door, you know. No, totally, it was the game. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where our priorities are. So I guess kind of segueing back into worship, do we give worship the priority that God demands? Not that God deserves, because I think that's a a question we, you know, we like to ask a lot of times. But what about that God demands? Or do, do we give worship the priority that God has asked for? Yeah. And, and I don't think, I think sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, because Again, worship isn't just on Sundays. And even on Sundays, are we actually present? Or are we going, oh, man, where are we going for, for lunch? And uh, are the, you know, the notification that pops up on Sunday evenings when you're worshiping, if you have evening services, and it's the, oh, S- Sunday night football. Or, up oh, the, the AP poll just came out. Right during worship, and I need to check my phone because I can't wait five minutes to find out what the AP poll says. <laughs> well, so I have uh, I have received 
messages. Um, I try to leave. I try to leave my phone in my office um, because it's it. I know it's a distraction for me. I put my phone on do not disturb uh, because if I don't, it's gonna buzz. And not that there's anything I can do, but just the what am I missing? You know, I we have this this thing that we're, we're tied to these things. And so I'll put my phone on do not disturb. I'll put my, or my watch on do not disturb. I'll put my phone in the office. So I just <laughs> don't have those distractions there, but then I'll come back and I'll sometimes I'll have like several messages from sometimes from people who were in, in worship. <laughs> maybe it's a, maybe it's a, so, maybe it's a song list for the next Sunday, you know, or something. It's like, Oh, I'm glad I have that now, but man we are there are so many distractions and and sometimes it is sports sometimes it's sometimes it's just the things in my mind because my mind just simply won't stop yeah um, whether it's work or family or you know bills or things our minds are just consumed with, with so much stuff um, and and frequently we get in this space where you know we're 15 or 20 minutes in and it's like Oh, it's time for the Lord's Supper. Ooh, man, I gotta. We had, did we already sing those other three songs? Oh, and we already had the scripture reading. And where was I? Because because our minds are just consumed. Um, and I don't want to say now more than ever, but now in a more unique way uh, than ever in our lifetime, there there is a whole nother layer of of complications in the psyche of people. So. And I'll, and I'll wonder if it's because we had – because all of these spiritual disciplines, they're not a checklist. They're not up, I've done this one, up, I'm doing this one, up. Now that I've done that, I'll move on to the next one. They're things we should be doing simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're so distracted in worship or when we should be spending time with God because we are not practicing some of the other disciplines like the solitude or slowing down. We can't turn off our minds because – we have so much stuff going on, and we don't want to miss out, so I have to be connected to everything, and I can't unplug and then connect to God, you know, intentionally. Maybe, you know, the meditation. We're not practicing what it actually means to meditate. You know, we have all these other ones we've been studying, and the list could go on, but perhaps that's that's the problem, that we're not actually being intentional, that we think worship's just about showing up, checking off a list, and then going to eat. And it's so much more intentional. And, and in fact, it takes so much more preparation for us to be able to worship and not just say, oh, uh, pulling into the parking lot, run inside, look like I'm all together, sit down. Okay, good. Got here. One minute to spare. Sing some songs. Chuck the list. Drink the juice. Eat the bread. You know, oh, that bread was stale. Lunch. Now I'm hungry. And then all of a sudden we're not focused again. Yeah, and it, and it does come down to I, I really in my heart of hearts, don't believe that people are just about checking it off the list. Even though that's kind of the way it comes across at times in our practice. Yeah, um, I think we have really just grown, grown or gotten out of the habit of recognizing that worship is a discipline. Um, yeah. It's something that requires um, intentional thought. So that it doesn't just simply become, um, oh man, worship starts at nine, 
or class starts at nine, worship starts at 10. If I make it for class, great. But as long as I'm there by 955, I'm good. Because um, then I can roll in, I can get my seat and I can go. Um, so I'm a, I'm a high school, a varsity high school football official. Uh, most of our high school varsity games begin at seven o'clock. Kickoff is at seven o'clock. We meet as officials um, sometimes as early as 515 to get prepared for the game, which means that most of us are coming straight from work, which means that that preparation begins on Thursday night or Friday morning. Uh, because if I'm going to have to change at my office before I leave, then I've got to make sure all my gear is together. And I'm not going to want to do that on, on Friday morning when I'm kind of getting out the door to get to work. So Thursday night, I'm going to make sure my, my uniform is clean and pressed and ready to go. Shoes are clean and ready to go. All of my gear is packaged and ready and all of it's in a bag with all the other stuff I'm going to need for Friday. Um, because I'm going to leave work and I'm going to go straight to our meeting site. We're going to travel together to the ball game. We're going to arrive at the ball game an hour before the game starts so that we can go through our pregame. And then we take the field 30 minutes before the game starts. And what people see as, okay, so you're an official, you got to get there at game time and you leave when the game ends. You know, there's hours, sometimes days, just for that one game worth of, of looking forward to. And, and high school football doesn't matter. I mean, even in South Louisiana or West Texas or any of these sports where football is a big deal, um, in the grand scheme of things, how much do I really intentionally press into the discipline of worship? Um, daily, weekly, corporately, personally, individually. Is it something I go about intentionally? Um, I started setting out my clothes for Sunday morning on Saturday night because I don't want to feel rushed on Sunday morning. I don't want to be moving around no matter how early my day begins, it's going to be different than others because of what I do. But I want to get up and I want it to be those moments where I can prepare for that worship time without any outside stressors, as, as, at least as few as I can manage, the ones that are in my control. And it helps me get my mind ready on Saturday night. And when I set those out, then I can lay down and I can get a good night's rest in preparation for worshiping together on, on Sunday morning. Uh, and just little things like that can really go a long way to changing our, our mindset into that early, early preparation of corporate worship. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's all about the, I think you've hit the, the, the nail on the head with it being intentional, you know, and when, when I was, you know, when we say checking the box off, it's not, you're not intentionally checking the box off, but we're kind of just going through the motions. Because it's, you know, some of these things we're saying we should do them so much they become habit-forming. But worship shouldn't be habit-forming where it's just we don't think about it. You know, a lot of these spiritual disciplines shouldn't get to the point where we don't think about it. That's not the goal. The goal is to become more and more intentional with doing these things and practicing these things. Mm -hmm. and, and worship's really no different. If I get to the point when... I don't have to think about what I'm doing when I'm worshiping because I do it so much. Then I, I hate to say it this way, but then I've stopped worshiping because then I'm not listening to what I'm saying. You know, when we're singing, I'm not actually saying, what do these words do? What do these words say? What do these words mean? And for someone who likes music, no, I, I don't sing very well. Uh, uh, 
Uh, I was in band, so I know music, and I enjoy listening to music. So sometimes I'm like, man, this song sounds really good, and I like the melody, and I don't, and I know the words because they've we've just sung it so much that I'm not even listening to the words. I'm listening to the music. Mm-hmm. I'm not worshiping anymore, you know, because one time, uh, halfway through a song, I stopped and went, hold up. And like, I don't know what made me think about it, but then I started, and I don't even remember the song, but I started listening to the words and I went, oh, I don't do that. Why am I singing this? <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me be more intentional. Like, you know, I will praise you. I'm not praising him. right. I'm not thinking about being thankful. I'm just, I'm thankful today. And I'm like, I'm all, I'm happy right now. So, I mean, we sing that I'm happy today song and every other word I'm praying today. I'm thankful today. I'm doing whatever today. No, we're just changing the word, but we're still singing the first verse. I'm happy because it's a peppy song, you know, and let's be intentional about what we're doing, which kind of means we, we have to prepare. You know, I, I want to look at a, uh, some these two parallel passages, and I might be jumping ahead of, of ourselves a little bit, but that's okay. And as I asked, in Isaiah 6 and Luke 5, we have this preparation in this this response to worship where in in Isaiah 6 the first five verses it says in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim each had six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory. And the fountains of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And here's his reaction. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, he wasn't saying, I don't know where I am <laughs> when he said, I'm lost. He was saying, this is so overwhelmingly awesome. You know, he was just in such awe. He says, you know, I, I'm not worthy is, is essentially what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I'm not worthy to be here right now. And he's recognizing the presence of the Lord and what comes with that. He's not saying, oh, that was cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he thought he was about to die. Um, oh, yeah, just, that too. Just because of his presence before God, recognizing yeah. his state of sinfulness. Um, I'm a man of unclean lips. Yeah. And I dwell amidst of people of unclean lips. And now my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Yeah. I can't survive this. Yeah. Um, and um, just that, you know, I, I, I understand a comparison it's a pretty powerful image and it's easy for us to remove ourselves from that image. Right. Because I don't know about you, but I've never seen a seraphim in our worship. No, Um, the earth has never rumbled as God entered into the presence of his people. Um, But the truth of the matter is that power that we see on display here before Isaiah is the same presence that we are in, in the presence of God. 
it's that power, it's that same glory, that same character, that same nature. Correct. Is the God that we serve. And even though it may not be visible and physically manifested before us. It still exists. That's yeah. still my king. Yeah. That's still the Lord of hosts whose throne we come before when we come in prayer. That's the yeah. throne that we worship when we raise our voices in song. Yeah. Um, and the flip side, that's 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 the king that I'm in the presence of when I'm not paying attention. And I'm not trying to make it shift it in the negative, but could you imagine if and if if here <laughs> he he's in that presence and he and he wasn't paying attention and he missed it. Because you know and and this this huge awesome six-winged figure <laughs> was just I mean not just one but you know <laughs> you know multiple right. right they're everywhere and uh and he says and he went and oh, oh i missed something you know what i miss no it was so overwhelming but that's the same presence that's the same king that deserves that same level of respect and it's harder for us because we don't see that but that means it has to be all the more intentional and even the seraphim you see their posture is this is this posture of reverence. I yeah. mean, they cover their faces with two of their wings. They cover their feet with two of their wings. Uh, and with two, they fly. Uh, you know, we, we've moved so much. And I, I don't mind the move towards a little more of a casual existence as people. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind the fact that, you know, you know, maybe when you walk into churches these days, You'll see some suits and ties, but it's not a, oh, you don't get to come in here if you're not wearing a suit and tie because, you know, this is what we do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with the presence of, of some more casual aspects of worship. But one of the drawbacks to that, I think, has been, I, I think we've somehow, in some ways, kind of lost that sense of reverence. And it really has nothing to do with the way that I dress, except for sometimes the way that I dress shapes my mind, right? When they say, if you don't feel the part, dress the part. And as you dress the part, you learn to kind of feel some things differently. We would tell people that in jobs all the time, whether you're going to play a sport or even as officials, you know, you say, hey, the first part, the first part of your job is to look like you know what you're doing. Um <laughs> <laughs> and if you look like you belong and you're in the right position and in the right place, then you give yourself a better chance for success. Uh, so I think there are some really beautiful aspects of some of the ways that we've seen churches move. Um, but we, we have to be better about realizing um, the reverence with which we should come before God with. Um, there are some times where God is my friend, um, but more often than not, he's my king. And I should, I should recognize him as king, not necessarily as my, my buddy or my pal or just my, my, the guy that walks beside me, um, but the one that I bow to, the one yeah. that I give my life to, the one that I kneel before and say, my life is yours. It's not mine. You are my master. You are my king. You are my Lord. Definitely. And I'm going to be very careful when I make this illustration because in no way I want to make sure I'm make sure I'm very clear. In no way am I comparing myself or any other man to God. But I think 
it's I, the I think same I need to step out one more time yeah right no. yeah <laughs> so um but you know when the god is my friend but he's also my king you know i think there's a difference between being a friend and a peer and uh because we're not god's peer you know when i'm working with children or i'm working with youth often i'll be like hey i, I am your friend but you have to respect me as authority you know, I still can tell you what to do, but I can be your friend, but I'm not your peer. You know, now, obviously, that relationship is much different and even greater gap between the God of the universe and us as creation. But he said, I am your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, a greater, no greater friend than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. He was an I am your friend. But at the same time, he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's not a peer. He's not equal, you know. He's like, oh yeah, we're on the same, we're we're on equally on the the same line of authority, you know. No, whatever whatever God says, is truth, and we gotta <laughs> we gotta back that up, and we have to you know and and give him the glory for that. And I think we misunderstand that relationship too often, and because of that, we don't necessarily say, oh, we're peers, but we confuse the difference and that affects how we show reverence toward him so right uh you mentioned you know some of the songs that we sing you know a while back and there are you know there are some that really uh you know touch my soul in in a different way it was in a few weeks back they sang um it is well with my soul it's been it's been several months it was before covid so it's been over half a year that's crazy yeah but um we were singing that and there were some things going on kind of you know in our in our, in our town and our culture and in my own personal life and i remember getting up and just thinking you know it is not well um, it is not well with my soul you know we just sing those words and i am troubled because you know, here's what's transpiring. And there are things that, that that we need to be doing, you know, differently. Just some things that were kind of heavy on, on my own personal heart. And and there are those moments where when I really stop and pay attention, that it calls me into a different arena. A girl at a, a camp we were at, SoulQuest, at your college several years back, uh, we had sang the song, Break My Heart in Worship. And then they came to my class and, you know, we were, we were talking and somebody said something about it. And she says, I hate that song. She goes, I'll never sing that song. I'm like, really? And I said, why not? And she goes, and she began to share her story. She goes, I'm never encouraging anyone to break my heart. You know, my heart's been broken so many times by so many people. And she had come from a, a, a foster home, several foster homes. And, um, I had never really thought of it from that perspective because I've always understood the song in a certain light. Uh, But that generated a conversation about who God is, about what those words really mean, about what it means to to break away the hardness of our heart that calluses us from being aware and, and available to God. And she said, okay, well, I understand that now. I'm still never going to sing it, (laughs) but, but there was an awareness in her, um, not a Christian, not a church goer, really 
pretty foreign to to church culture um and and that perspective that she brought in you know um kind of kind of brought me back to this you know we really we really do need to be aware of what it is that we're saying praying asking for because so many of those songs right i mean they are calls for god to come and work and sometimes i don't think we're prepared i mean if god yeah. answers that call that i make in some of those songs not like that god oh yeah wait wait when did i ask for this well you just sang it to me a moment ago like oh did i you know <laughs> And I think you know, the same thing. I remember we were uh, singing, you know, I want to be a worker for the Lord. <laughs> and and the song leader, I don't know if it was a song leader or the minister, but we were singing it and we stopped. Or he said, we're about to sing this song. It was one of those things, but it was before we sang. And he went, if you don't want to be a worker, if you're not prepared or willing to do work for the kingdom— don't sing this song. He goes, I only want people who mean these words to sing. Because don't lie when you sing this song. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're singing, I want to be a worker for the Lord. Okay, great. I have an opportunity for you. Nope, sorry. Okay, you just said you want to be a worker. No, not today. Not in this season of my life. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, God's telling me I'm in a season of rest. <laughs> Is that what John Chris says, right? <laughs> it's a new season. Yeah. I'm in a season of discernment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, hey, um, as we're looking here, um, and this is really weird. I thought I would mention this because if you're watching live, you saw me look down at my phone. Um, I have the feed down here, and apparently – Barbara Talbot Germany is watching, but also is Jerry Fowler. I don't know who Jerry Fowler is. I think Facebook messed up and it's supposed to be Jerry Germany, unless there actually is a Jerry Fowler. But um My father's name is Jerry Fowler, so Is it? it is. Okay. I thought it, I didn't know that. I do now. I thought I'd bring that up and ask that because I thought, oh man, Facebook made a mistake again. <laughs> Cause you know, Facebook is in all kinds of nonsense. Well, hi. Uh, Jerry, my dad is also named Jerry, and uh, so that is very interesting. We're glad you're here. Hey, you learn something new every day. <laughs> I do always, always learn something new. I always look forward to it. But as we kind of wrap up, I thought we would kind of go through a few things of how can we better prepare for worship. And I think it, and I know it, it's going to sound cliche, and uh, in our Bible study with our congregation here at Holly Hill, Kurt was talking about. This, you know, sometimes it's cliche, but it's true. It's, you know, pray and read the Bible more. You know, it just starts with praying and reading. And we started adding fellowship to that list. You know, be more intense about your prayer life, your your meditation and your in your Bible study, and then your fellowship with one another. And as we're doing that, maybe start the day by doing this. You know, if we're talking about corporate worship, find a way, and I know this is hard. And uh, for especially with parents with young children, but find a time, maybe get up earlier before the kids have to get up and spend some time in, in the in the word. Spend some time praying to prepare yourself for worship. So when you are rushing to get all the crazy kids together, your mind still has been in the right place at some point. And I guess that would be my first, I guess, suggestion. And then I'll 
pass it off to Josh. Yeah, and, and I think we have to to understand, like, you talk about seasons. There's seasons of life as well. Yeah. Um, and what I have, having been through it a few times now, and now being a minister on the other side of things and understanding this, you know, there are some things that I really wish someone, not people told us this, but I wish they would have made sure and brought it home. Sometimes as a young parent, as a young father, as a young mother, as a father or mother of, of young children, sometimes your act of worship is just simply getting your kids there in the presence of God's people, showing them that this gathering is important from a very young age. Uh, your morning's not going to be perfect. There's going to be times where you don't get anything out of the sermon. There's going to be times where you can't tell me what songs we sang or who sang beautifully or who messed it up because kids consume when they're young at times. Um, and it can seem like just such a, a battle. It's like, is it worth it? Let me tell you, if you're asking that question, absolutely, it is worth it. And if you don't feel like you have gotten anything out of worship that day, sometimes you have that season of life where your act of worship is just raising your children in the church. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when we say be early, be on time, all this preparation, certainly it is important. But there are those moments in life where I've just got to get there. Yeah. And getting there sometimes is all I can do. And, and it's so important to be there. And, and in those moments, you know, you're going to look back and say, you know what, I didn't get a whole lot. I didn't think I was getting a whole lot out of that. But the time I spent with my family, with my children, in the midst of God's people, in those moments, um, you know, it was important. And it is transformative for those young children. They're learning things. They're absorbing things. And if nothing else, they're learning to develop a habit of, uh, of being with God's people. So, yeah, um, and I just say that to, to kind of weigh that, especially as, as parents. Definitely. And, and, and I'll say this. And as a, a you know, I, I, I think I'm a father already. Uh, my child is due in January. So I'm just going to say because he is he, he is kicking. He's alive. There, there's life inside my wife right now, you know, which is, you know, mind boggling to me. And uh, but I'll say this as a as a future parent of a, a child in the worship service or in Bible class and as someone who works with children. And sometimes, you know, depending on your resources, you can do more or less. I understand that. But I'll speak to some church leaders now and uh, make sure that you're doing everything to make children want to be there. You know, part of, you know, because that'll help one, that'll help your parents out. But but also, I think part of this this wanting to be in the presence of the Lord and wanting to find ways to engage with them, I mean— when do kids get really excited? Going to Disney or going on vacation or going to something they've been looking forward to forever. And you don't have to really help them get ready because they'll, they'll get ready. They'll wake up early and get ready by themselves. You know, now, obviously, that's, again, like Josh is saying, you're going to have days where that's not happening. You're going to have days where that's not possible because it's just going to be a struggle. But church leaders, make your, your ministry for your young people engaging enough where their people where those children want to be there because then they're there and they're one learning the fellowship 
but they're also then going they're like sponges and they're going to absorb everything we're teaching them and if we're like it doesn't really matter if you're here or we're not going to put a lot of intentionality into our programs or ministries i should say with our children especially as they get older children are smart and they're going to start realizing you don't really value this as much as you claim to and the truth is it doesn't take a lot to kids don't need it's not like we're trying to say hey we're going to make this an amusement park for Bible of course class. not of course not. um but just a little bit of preparation for those kids shows them that they're loved that they are desired that we have a space that's been designed for you um and they're ready and willing to learn and they, they do enjoy it they look forward to it and sometimes look sometimes it was my kids that kept me going um, you know, they grew up at Memorial Road in Oklahoma City, and they loved the Bible classes they were in. And on some of those days where Heather and I would wake up and it was like, I'm not really feeling the Sunday thing today. The kids would wake up and they were like, Bible class. And so I was like, you know, I guess we're going because, you know, the kids out of the mouth of the babes, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, they just loved it. They loved the time. They loved their teachers um, and they learned so so much because they were given a space that was their own and uh, and they really really cared about the kids and their own growth and their own uh, maturity so definitely they definitely. Uh, they kept us on point many times and kept us in the straight and narrow and 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 that speaks volumes and then i think that the other one that i have on my list is something we've touched on already and is removing distractions you know like josh said perhaps it's turning your phone on do not disturb your phone on Do Not Disturb still can access the Bible. If you, you know, uh, you know, my for my kids, our parents of my of the kids in the youth group who are watching, they make Bible apps that don't use data, right? The Bible app does, but you can download it, and you don't have to have Wi-Fi or network or anything like that. So you can even turn it on airplane mode and still access the Bible. You know, remove those distractions. You know, but be honest with yourself. You might say, oh, that's not a problem for me. Uh, well, uh, be honest with yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that, that takes evaluation. That takes that, again, meditation that we've talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, what fully prevents us from worshiping God? And once you've identified those things, get rid of it during worship. You know, we're not saying, oh, get rid of your phones. You don't need phones ever. Well, that would be a little, well, uh, hypocritical of me to say. And <laughs> But maybe during those times when you said, hey, I need to spend time with God today, and I don't need any distractions. So I'm going to turn this off so I can get stuff done. All your alerts will be there when you turn the phone back on. Yeah. That was the fun part for me about camp. When I went to camp with uh, uh, camps without service, and there sometimes I would be like, okay, this one spot has service, and I'll leave my phone, and I won't touch it. Because if I touch it, the bar goes away. So <laughs> I'll leave it alone, and I'll get all my stuff. But the, the times when that just wasn't po a possibility, I would, you know, my friends and I would kind of take bets. Who's going to have the most notifications? Or who's going to have the most missed text messages from this week of camp? It became a game at that point. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but they were all still there. 
if someone wants to get a hold of me, there's emergency ways to get a hold of me. You know, pretty much always. Usually every camp has a landline. Maybe yeah. the only place left using a landline, but it's there. Correct. Um, but so much of the distractions is really just knowing myself, right? Knowing what it is that distracts me. Um, uh, and there are, there are some of my apps I've had to completely turn notifications off on totally. That I need to, I don't need the constant barrage of, hey, look at me, hey, look at me. Um, because of the way that it consumes. And that's, that's true on every day, not just on, you know, days of worship. So definitely uh, know yourself and, and know where those pitfalls and traps are. Yeah. And, and that's part of our preparation as well. Definitely right, removing those things so that we can have the best opportunity. So. And yeah. And I don't know about Androids cause I'm not an Android guy, but I am an Apple guy. And for maybe parent and adults, if, if you want to do this too, more power to you. But for especially for our parents, uh, more, more than likely your teenager is not going to be like willingly, oh, yeah, I'll turn my phone off. You know, it's just not happening. I mean, let's just kind of be honest here. But screen time is wonderful. And one of the great things about screen time, if you're not familiar, uh, it's a setting in your phone or a little program on your phone. You can set certain days and certain hours within a day. To say, I only want this phone to be able to access these apps. So if you have to, especially for some people who just have a hard time just letting go or being able to stick within their little boundaries, say, you know what, I might have to force myself. And that might also mean, hey, um, spouse, uh, can you set this up and don't tell me the password? Because someone like me, if, if I put restrictions on some stuff and I set the password, I know the password. It defeats the purpose. I mean, oh, no. I limited myself to an hour a day and my phone says request more time. Okay, request more time. Password. Well, good thing I know the password, you know. <laughs> so that might be a way to build up to discipline. You know, again, putting boundaries where you know, hey, recognizing your pitfalls i have no discipline so i need boundaries and i need accountability and sometimes that can help me worship god in my daily life and in my personal life yeah and the only thing i would add to that list so you got pray and meditate on scripture more um being present no, really yeah 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 and then you have being um being there preparing removing distractions you know and and then I would just say, be available, right? When yeah. you look at Isaiah chapter six, which we were at, is after that transpires, he looks at God and says, "Okay, here I am. Yeah, send me." Um, and so once all of this stuff comes through, uh, be available. Yeah, whatever that looks like. So, be available. Be ready to work. I like that. Well, hey, guys, thank you for joining us, and uh, we are so glad you're here on the Crossways podcast. We're here on Thursdays at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Bring your lunch. Join us as we talk. I already ate some lunch, a.k.a. popcorn, so I you know, might need to work on fasting and, uh, and eating healthy. But we're glad you're here, and uh, join us next week uh, for a, a different topic uh, to be determined. And uh, we're glad that you're always joining us. For those who joined live, thank you. We know we had a few comments. We didn't get to all of them, but thank you for being here. As always, remember, 
to walk in the way of the cross. These videos are brought to you by Holly Hill Church of Christ, Goodwood Boulevard Church of Christ, and the Ministry League. Check out our app, Ministry League. Great songs, great resources. We got a newsletter coming out. Stay tuned for that. And some other big news, especially Exposure Youth Camp, December 2020. Man, we're excited about it. We'll see you guys later.